0: Welcome back to another market update brought to you by the team from mccaro.com.au. We've got a freshly launched website, so we've got a new fresh face, and we've got a couple of fresh faces here and myself. We've got Matt Dalgleish talking about livestock, Olivia Agar talking about wool, and I'll talk a little bit about grains. Matt, what's happening with meat? What's happening with these Chinese bans on abattoirs?
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a story for the uh, beef market Um Predominantly, so four um, abattoirs have been uh, restricted from their access into the export markets into China. Um, a similar scenario to what happened in July 2017, there's um, supposedly issues around labelling uh, that's causing them to um, to be suspended for the time being. Um, so that's around a little bit of a span of the works. But um, the beef export figures that were released from the Department of Agriculture and Water Resources and Environment for um, April, showed very good growth in Chinese demand. So we're just going to see now how long this lasts, this ban for these four abattoirs, and whether that's going to start to impact um, trade flows into um, when the May figures are released uh, at the end in a month. Have to wait and see.
0: What? How long did it take last time again?
1: Uh, it was. It happened in July two thousand and seventeen. Took about four months for them to uh, to get uh, you know, get it resolved. Uh, so you come back online again around November. Uh, and that was six abattoirs back then, uh, or six exporters. Um, uh, so it affected probably about, or those abattoirs or exporters were um, would have been about thirty percent of the of the market going into China there from Australia. So it was significant enough. But um, uh, despite that, it, it kind of we didn't see a noticeable change to the flows um, from Australia to China back then. But, but in saying that, it was. Um, it was only about 8,000 tonne a month, give or take, back then, whereas now we're doing about 23,000 tonne from Australia to China because of this ASF uh, uh, increase in demand. Um, which, which, so, seems,
0: which seems unusual to limit. What, what are these abattoirs? 35% of, I've read some of 35% of all the exports into China come from these four abattoirs?
1: Yeah, they're, reasonably, yeah, they're, they're that, significant that, that, enough. It doesn't
0: yeah. really make much sense if they have a protein deficit.
1: No, that's right. It's a bit of a strange one. But, um, yeah, and I have heard um, reports of it, you know, the pe- you know people that are um, in the know in this in this space are saying that they're trying to get it resolved fairly quickly. Some have been saying it's going to be resolved within seven days, but others, you know, a bit more uh, pessimistic ones are saying it might take, you know, three to six months. So we'll just to wait and see how it plays out. But um, it doesn't seem like a, a clever move from China to limit um, the protein that's come in because, as we know, there's a significant deficit there this year.
0: Do you think this is a political thing, or do you think it's a real issue?
1: Um, the Chinese officials and the Australian officials are saying that it's a, you know, it's nothing to do with the politics of, um, of, of uh, any other things. So, I guess you've got to take them at face value and say that it's, uh, it's not that. Um, but obviously, you know, some people are suspicious that it might be other things driving it.
0: What about sheep?
1: Uh, so ship markets. Um, we've um we've been seeing quite low supply even after the easter lull um if you look at slaughter figures for uh, lamb and mutton and also yarding figures they're all um very much below normal for this time of the year um usually you see a rebound after easter but it just hasn't happened so um sheep slaughter is down around um, 30 odd percent and uh and muttons down around 45 percent uh which is significant and as i said the yardings still very soft so um, very tight supply. We, we're expecting a tight supply this year, and as we're heading into winter, it's, um, it's looking really tight again, so that's um, been supportive of prices this week. We've actually seen mutton uh, lift 8% on the week, which is a pretty big jump for a weekly jump, up to $167 a head, um, and that's the COVID-19 indicators. There's only three that are being um, reported by MLA, um, processor lamb, restocker lamb and mutton, and um, both the processor lamb and restocker lamb both went up uh, slightly as well. So that tight supply has meant that prices were a bit stronger. Okay.
0: So on, on the grains front, I guess China's the big story there as well. We knew that they were coming to the end of their investigation for alleged dumping of, of barley, which, to be honest, I think was probably we weren't really dumping barley in 2016. It was just a, a factor of, uh, of supply and demand. They, they announced that, uh, or pre-announcement, they're due to, have the full announcement next week and they had a pre-announcement on Saturday last week which basically said that they would have a tariff of 80.5% which would effectively make our barley uncompetitive which in the end that meant that barley prices in Australia just collapsed on Monday and have stayed pretty low for the whole week. A lot of traders are not looking to buy too much and uh, a lot of farmers are, where possible, trying to reduce barley but I think overall they'll just stick with the normal Normal sort of rotation. Looking around the country, weather's been, you know, reasonable for most people, and it's uh, and it's probably just time to get your weather bets on and uh, and see what happens over the next couple of months. But really, it's it's looking pretty good, and it's a lot of people doubling down on those uh, bets on the weather, and uh, things are things are looking up pretty pretty good.
1: What do you think, Andrew, with regards to that barley situation? I did see a report just recently on social media, might have been yesterday or so, that. Um, that China's allowing us or you know allowing us to export barley into there, or do you think it's part of this um, you know um, trade spat that you know' they're starting to have with Australia or, or is it um, maybe that they're trying to um, fulfill on their requirements for the uh, you know the trade deal with the US trying to increase um, other exports uh, into the you know, or exports from the US to China and at the expense of Australia? Do you think that's
0: not a big thing because barley isn't a huge commodity in the US so they're not going to export much barley regardless. But I think it's possibly a sign that, you know, we spoke about this in, in depth, that China would have to look at all sorts of commodities in order to meet that phase one requirements. Mm. Yeah. And it's probably worrying that they're looking at, you know, barley and blueberries, I think was the other one. And that says that, you know, they're willing to look at the rats and mice commodities as well as the big ones like soybeans or or, uh, or cotton or corn or beef, meat. It's probably more a case that they might look at importing more more corn. They've got a limit of well, or a quota on corn. I think there may be a chance that they'll reduce that or increase that quota, and we'll see more corn going in again, regardless of any tariffs, would reduce the demand for, for barley. But I mean, I think mean, largely it's this phase one deal still having an impact. As a lot of people talking, I asked you that question about whether it was political or not, the abattoir. Like, I don't necessarily think this tariff on Bali is necessarily all that political or anything to do with these diplomatic spats due to the, the COVID outbreak. I just think it's uh, it's possibly just part of the process that they've been going through for the last year. And I think, Ragalis, you mentioned ASF, that also means that the demand for Bali's is going to be down as well. Yeah, pretty, pretty tough one as we as we go through it. It's uh, probably put a dampener on people's seating during a time of pretty good weather. Olivia, well, what's happening there?
2: Yeah, well, while we're on the topic of China, Andrew, so there was the Chinese economic data for April was released today and it's not really pointing to any good signs either for, for the fibre market. So even though we saw that China had really got on top of this virus and there were talks um, towards the start that the economy was going to recover there really quickly, the April data that came out today said that retail sales are still down 7.5% year on year and and 16% year-to-date, so they're they're really not turning around quite as quickly as they originally thought, and you'll know that that that's going to have a big impact on the the fibre and retail demand there. Um, But there was actually some good news for wool this week after after a full-week run of losses on the the wool market here. We did actually have a slight glass gain in prices this week on the East Coast, where Eastern market indicator lifted nine cents for the week, um and, and that was a with a rise in the Aussie dollar too. Um over on the west coast though it wasn't quite as good that a nine cent loss there and but reports overall were that merino wool with really good measurements was quite sought after and there was a fair bit of buyer interest there, but the the lower style wool types and crossbred wools, um, they just weren't receiving anywhere near the same interest um yeah, so so even though there was that stronger buyer interest in the market, um, that was enough to lift the passing rate a fair bit from what we've been seeing recently. And I think it was uh, about half of what we saw the week prior. So there are about 21,000 bales cleared cleared this week, um, which is you know a bit of a positive sign in the in the wool market this week. And hopefully that continues over in the coming weeks.
0: So good to be a bearer of good news. For, mm, for the, the wool industry after a pretty shocking couple of months, but but we did predict that back in January, didn't we, Matt? We predicted that wool markets would be under pressure. Uh,
1: yeah, that's. I mean, given the uh, exposure of um, the wool markets to China, uh, you know, and then you had the big outbreak in Italy, which is the second biggest market. So um, yeah, it was only a matter of time, really.
0: Yeah, we picked it. Uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day.
1: The uh, <laughs> Even a blind chicken sometimes finds some corn, Andrew. That's uh, my mother in law saying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Olivia, you've, you've been working a little bit on, well, not a little bit, a lot on the new updated website. Uh, that's when, you know, from my point of view, and I don't know about you, but it's went reasonably well. Uh, obviously, in any of those type of projects, there are going to be hiccups that people have to be patient of. Uh but yeah, you got any tips for the website for anyone using it?
2: Um, yeah, so go live was this week and last week, and um, everything seems to be ticking along all right so far. We um, we do need all the, our subscribers to make sure they reset their passwords. You'll just see at the top of the emails that go out there is a link to reset your password. So if you haven't done that since the new website was launched, please make sure you click that reset link so that you can put in a new password. So um, so
0: why do they have to use a new password? Why can't they just use the one that they've already had?
2: Uh, security reasons. We couldn't transfer old passwords across to the new site, so everyone just needs to go ahead and reset their password there. Um, but all their subscriptions will be rolling over to the new site, so no need to enter any other new details there. Everything will roll over. Um, it's just those passwords that need to be reset.
0: Uh, but everything's going well. Most of the feedback's been positive, so good job, Olivia. Yeah,
2: you too. You too. So
0: that's probably it for today. Uh, thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends or family. Give us a like or a review on uh, on iTunes or Spotify. If you aren't subscribed, a subscriber to the website, you can subscribe. You can get free access to it or a basic account, which will give you access to some of it, so we're not we're not completely... You know, tight Scots people around here. We, we'll give you something for free. Not all of it, because we're not we're not too generous. And uh, you can trial it out. You can see if you like it. And uh, if you like it, you can you can you can pay for the full the full whack. If you don't like it, well, you don't have to. It's a free world. Uh, you just got bad taste. That's all. Thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe and uh, good luck. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye.